What is up, everyone? Hope you're all doing well. This is The Drop Podcast. You can find all of our content on YouTube at The Drop Golf Podcast. You can listen to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Pods. That's The Drop Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at The Drop underscore pod. And no matter which way you're consuming us, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Follow and listen along. This episode is sponsored by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger. Tom Mallon and Randy Tranger are board-certified trial attorneys who share more than 40 years of legal experience. They specialize in personal injury matters, workers' compensation cases, and criminal and municipal defense. As certified trial attorneys, they have recovered millions of dollars on behalf of people injured in accidents and employees injured at work. They have offices conveniently located in Freehold and Point Pleasant. For skilled and personalized legal representation, call Mallon and Tranger at 732-780-0230 or check out their website at teammallonlaw.com. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too. It says three participants, but I don't see him on the view, do you? No, I got two people in mine. Oh, I got to admit them. I didn't hit it. <laughs> there you go. This is a drop podcast where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Kulot. How's it going? Uh, We got a big week this week. Uh, We have an interview with Mark Costanza, low amateur at the 2022 New Jersey State Open. Mark was was awesome. I mean, we could have talked to him for seven, eight hours. Had a lot of fun with him. We got some other topics that we're going to chat about, and uh, so let's hit it, Yeah, Mike. no doubt, and just to kind of echo that, not only was Mark the low amateur, he's also the 2022 New Jersey State Golf Association Player of the Year, so so this is no no average guy coming on the show, he's he's big time. Yeah, and and again, just like, it's such a good dude. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I want to kind of steal your thunder here in the very beginning. Um, I know last week we talked a lot about the NJSGA schedule and what they put out. And, you know, we're kind of tossing ideas back and forth regarding the Choppers Championship, and and you jumped all in on that. But I do know, as I mentioned, that there were other tours and other things going on for all skill levels of golfers. So I reached back out to this guy. His name's Anthony. He runs the local chapter of the Amateur Players Tour here in New Jersey. And it is a system all based upon your handicaps. They have many, many tournaments. Everything is played straight up. And I reached out to him, I said, Ant, why don't you give me some information about your tour? Because I know Ryan specifically brought up that, what is it for someone like him? He's, an, he's a you know 11 handicap, and it just doesn't suit the NJSGA championships because they're looking for really golfers that are lower in terms of what their handicap actually is. So he sent me his thing. Um, what I can't lie to you, the golf courses on his list are unbelievable. Places like Shackamaxon, Echo Lake, Hominy Hill, which I know is a huge fan of our Bally Owen, with their local finals being held down at Ballymore. So you got, you got so many different phenomenal spots. And it's based upon your handicap. So there's all different divisions. And there's a total of five divisions. And I said, okay, this is, this is perfect. This is for what the everyday guy who wants to compete but can't necessarily 
qualify or wants to play in the NJSGA events. So there's five divisions. And you can go follow him on Instagram at Amateur Players Tour NJ. Amateur Players Tour NJ. And it lists everything there. He's got his whole schedule. He's got the prices of what it costs to play. All different opportunities there for anybody that's interested in doing this. But just to break down the divisions, because I'm sure the audience is saying, well, where would I fit? Because I think that's kind of what we all necessarily say from the beginning. So you got division one. If you are a 3.4 index and under, you're in division one. Now, again, these are all stroke play ball in hole competitions, but it's all based upon your handicap. So which is the plus here that everybody's playing against people like them. Division two is 3.5 to 8.4. Division three is 8.5 to 13.4. Division four is 13.5 to 18.4. And then division five, which is 18.5 and above. And, and And I saw that and I said, oh, wow, this is like the perfect thing for individuals that may not be at that next level, kind of what the NJSGA puts together. And it's stroke play against the players in your division. Trophies and Visa gift cards are given to top places in each division. And then, which is the one cool thing about this, because it's a local chapter, is at the end of the year, you then can qualify to play in the national championship against the other best players from other states. So this is not just like, what you do in-house, but not only if you take care of what's in-house, you get to go experience things outside. And I thought that was a great way and another opportunity, just as you and I have spoken about so many times on this show, that New Jersey has to offer not only the golf courses, the, the golf professionals, but now we're talking different tours. And there's no doubt that if you're looking for opportunities, to be competitive and go ball and hole. I know you brought it up and I thought, man, you don't have to be a member. You can just pay per event based upon what your schedule is, or you can sign up for the whole thing. You can be a full-time member and play in them all. But each greens fee, I mean, excuse me, each entry fee, it includes your greens fees for the day. It includes your range, the cart, the prize pool, and the trophies at the end. So to me, you may look at the prices initially and say, wow, that's rather expensive. But here's what I'll tell you. There's a lot more that goes into just the, the, the fee. Um, on top of it, you're playing places that you're not always going to be able to get on. You know, sometimes we all know it's hard to get on certain golf courses. And I thought the one cool thing about the tour itself and the schedule that he has provided is that the, next to, the second to last tournament is being held at Bethpage. And I know people are gonna say, well, that's outside New Jersey. I get it, I understand that. But when you're talking about Bethpage being on that schedule, I think that adds a little bit to the whole thing. Because who doesn't wanna go play there? Right, I mean, that, that yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it's okay. It's outside New Jersey, I, we get it. But it's also like, I mean, we're in the Met area, it's the metropolitan area. So while we focused on New Jersey golf, I, I don't, if someone's going to say, oh, Beth Page is outside of New Jersey, okay, 
You're right. It is. No arguing. It's also yeah, we're not, a we're fantastic not arguing with you. golf course. We're not arguing. Right. We're not all right. It's <laughs> we're talking semantics mm-hmm. here. And okay, yeah, Beth Page is outside New Jersey. Got it. But it's in the Met, which is also part of New Jersey, and it's a tremendous golf course. There's okay, good good for you, bro. You know you know the location of where Beth Yeah, Page and is. and a nice thing about this <laughs> is his schedule that he's provided has I want to say maybe 10 to 12 different events. And it's not located in just one area of the state. Anthony does a phenomenal job with going. I mean, listen, he's got his north as Bally Owen on his schedule. I mean, listen, I know firsthand that that is a hike to get to that northwest part of the state. But then he's also got places in the middle. Hominy Hill, dead smack in the middle. Dead smack. And then you want to go South Jersey? He's got it. He's got two of them. He's got LBI National, which they just reopened. And then he's also got Ballamore, which is where his local finals is going to be. So the, the guy does a phenomenal job with the schedule. I, I'm just looking at this. I, I pulled up the website. Not only do they have, okay, they got the north, they got the south. You could argue um, Hominy Hill is the east. But then, you know, you also got architects out, out west. And not to mention, I, I think I saw it's like $150 or something to be a member and and I don't know what that gets you, but then you look at some of these other things that they have for their. I I would I don't know if it's members or not, but like they're putting together trips. Like in early December, they went down to Myrtle Beach and played Caledonia and Founders Club, and and they're putting the you know that trip together. It looks like they got one to uh, what's the what's the the mountains in Missouri called the Ozarks. They got Payne's Valley is on there, Ozark National, and and it's just. It has a price on it. If you go to the website, it has a price to just, do you want to go on a golf trip? Here's a flat fee for whatever, you know, for whatever else is included. This this is this is tremendous. Yeah. Anthony's done a great job. Yeah. This looks, and it looks like it's well-timed out, too. It's not so much where it's like every Saturday or, you know, May 1st they got something, and then the end of May they're going, you know, they got a trip booked down to Florida, stream song. They got three rounds there, and then come back a little bit of time. July eleventh, uh, June eleventh, twenty fifth, July first, July not like it's like beginning of the month, end of the month. Uh, I, yeah, just like it's well, this seems it, it's it's. Uh, I really like this. this the, is good it's stuff. it's a great and again, and one of the things that you and I have spoken at length about this whole thing is it gives opportunities to all different levels. And I know that last episode that we spoke in depth about the NJSGA and their schedule about how these courses are really good, top of the line. But just like any championship, you've got to qualify for it. And with qualifying, there's prerequisites. And you may not like that or you may like that, but that's part of the deal here. You know, here, you could be anything. And then you're going to go play like-minded golfers. So it it's opportunities that for anybody... To the point you brought up last week, well, what's in it for a guy like me? Well, unfortunately, maybe that tour is not geared or designed to you. But guess what? What Anthony's doing over here at the Amateur Players Tour at the local chapter here in New Jersey, like, there it is. There it is. You you got plenty of opportunities Mm -hmm. to go battle against guys like you and put the ball in the hole. So I I wanted to bring that up right from the get-go because I, I do think... What he has and, and the things that he shared with me was a perfect counter 
to what the NJSGA does and not nothing against the what the NJSGA does but it gives alternatives it's cuz not it's not always one size fits all it's not maybe going to steer anybody away from playing the NJSGA events to go play theirs but it just gives everybody more chances more different things and opportunities if you want to go compete in both go compete in both it's not like the live or the PGA tour yeah i i don't think i mean from what i understand anthony doesn't seem to be funded by um oil money so i don't i don't know if he's not I don't know yeah he's not that. yeah I, I know that as well <laughs> <laughs> um i do want to make a correction it, it seems uh to be a member is 125 dollars and what you get is some discounts. It looks like you get some money off to enter. So, like, I, I just clicked on the first tournament, and it's like 20 bucks off to join, uh, to play the tournament, which is, you know, you're still paying, you know, a little bit, but you're also getting on to that first one. You're playing Shaq and Maxson, which you can't play otherwise unless you get invited there. So, you know, for $200 to go play Shaq and Maxson, in a tournament style uh, atmosphere, this is a great way to do all those kind of things. And again, I love that it's tiered for different people. And again, it's a national thing. So it seems like you can get, you know, there's points, you can work your way at the leaderboard. Last thing is, if you just want to play some of the country clubs that they have on here that you can't get on otherwise, uh, like I said, um, this their season kicks off at Chakamaxon. The first two stops are there at Echo Lake. You can't get on there if unless you're invited. So, uh, again, you have an opportunity to just, even if you just wanted to go play those, it's, again, be a little cheaper if you were a member, but not, you know, not terribly. But maybe that's the only one you wanted to play because you've been dying to get on Shaq and Maxson and, and you just want to, you know, here's here's an opportunity. So, that, yeah, this is really this is really pretty cool. Really nice job. By yeah, it's, def- it's definitely something that, you know, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned this way. You know, we people don't say, well, you're geared one way or you're one way street going down their road. Now, listen, you have other things that you want us to, to look at, promote, you know, pending it's in what we're talking about. Let, let's talk about it. And I thought what he had shared with me with this was was perfect. Yeah. You know, the other thing I'd say this, especially um, in the last couple of years, it's been really difficult to get a tee time that you want. You know, uh, I mean, places are booking up. Golf's become super popular. It, it, I feel like it exploded during COVID because it was kind of the only thing to do. But there's there's really, um, this is another thing you don't have to deal with. So uh, I've, I've said it for a while. I would pay a little more to not have to deal with the frustration of like, oh, I don't want to. Uh, you know, I, I want to get a tea time, but I can't get a tea time because it's booked up or, or whatever. So this is guaranteed tea time, meet some new people, play places you may not be able to get to play. Uh, I, yeah, this is a home run. So because this is a national thing, the website is amateurplayerstour.com, and it brings you to like the national page. Uh, On the right-hand side, you click local chapters, scroll down to New Jersey. Or if you're in a different state listening to this, you can, you know, you can go. um, Looking right here, it says Metro Philly. Um, You got all these different places, so you can go go check it out. But amateurplayerstour.com. Click on the local chapters, go to New Jersey, and that's, that's Anthony's. They can also be found on Instagram at amateur players tour nj 
give them a follow. And, and again, if you're looking for something new, maybe maybe you don't want to join and be a member, but hey, maybe you want to go play some of the country clubs that they have that they have lined up in 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 their tour. So pretty cool stuff. Dr. Mike Pamakala at Sports Solutions Physical Therapy and Performance Development is located in Middletown, New Jersey. He's a Titleist Performance Institute medical practitioner. Dr. Mike uses a hands-on approach with his clients to get them out of pain and back onto the golf course. No pain, no problem. Assessments are available for golfers looking to improve flexibility, power, strength, stability, and overall efficiency with their golf swing. Don't let dysfunction disrupt your swing. Schedule an evaluation with a TPI physical therapist and check out Dr. Mike at sportsolutionspt.com and on Instagram at sportsolutionspt. So, Rye, let's kind of get into your session here. I mean, I know that, you know, Dr. Mike sent me over the picture of you two and he told me that specifically, and I quote in the text that I got, and I don't know if this is going to be true. He says, Mike, Ryan's going to be a scratch golfer by the time the fall comes around. Now, I like how you said fall, not spring. So we're not expediting the process here. But why don't you give our audience a little bit about what A, the title is Performance Institute kind of thing is and what your experience was like there. Yeah, so I, I guess, um, I guess, Mike, I want to start kind of from the beginning. So like we got hooked up with, uh, with Dr. Mike, it was just like, it, like the timing of it was crazy to me that I was in the process of saying like, I want to get more flexible, kind of my new year's resolution. Like we talked about last episode and he's in the process of like texting us and, and like, Hey, would love to get you guys over and, and get and make this happen. So like the timing was, was super, uh, fortunate, convenient, uh, fortuitous, something like that. So we talked and, and I went over there. Now, maybe maybe even before we get all that, TPI was developed a bunch of years ago. I don't know if, if you guys know the history of it or the background, and I'm not going to say I'm a professional at it, whatever, but it's like 15 years old, I want to say. And Titleist came around and, and basically before that, teaching golf was like there's a perfect golf swing. Then this TPI came around, and it's like, no, 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 there's not a perfect golf swing, but there's a perfect golf swing for everybody. We're going to evaluate what you do well and what you don't do well and try to improve the things that you do poorly so that you can improve your golf swing. Now, that's your golf swing, not, not hey, you need to be doing this, because if you can't turn a lot on your backswing, then we're not going to force it. So anyway... About 15 years ago, this kind of this kind of thought process changed and it's developed into this into this basically like physical therapy kind of kind of system. So Dr. Mike, he's a tremendous guy. He's you just walk in. He's super energetic. He's he's got a way about him that like he just his energy is vibe. He's he's all that's like super positive. So I go in to, to see Dr. Mike and, you know, we talk for a little bit about our um, about some like medical history and, you know, going through all my surgeries that I've had on my ankles and knees and things like that. And then we start going into it. And he basically, he has his phone out and he has the TPI app open 
And they're basically like, hey, this is what I want you to do. And they're like exercises that like, Mike, I'll, I'll tell you, I think I'm a, I know I'm a big guy. I think I'm decently strong. It's amazing how you're not able to do certain like little motions. You know, it's really crazy. Like, so there's one where he, he you got, you're standing against the wall, right? Your arms, your elbows are at a 90 degree angle. So your hands are above your head and you got to, like move your, like rotate your shoulders, but you're not, you can't rotate your shoulders while moving your lower back out. So like, there's all these little things that like you're doing and it takes 45 minutes to an hour maybe to go through all these different little exercises, right? They start, it's basically a head to toe thing. You know, he takes out the flexibility of even my wrists, right? He has me straight armed, arms out in front of you, elbows locked, pull your fingers back as far as you can, and then put them down as far as you can, right? To see how flexible even like wrist movement is. So it goes through all this with me, and and then the TPI system does what it does, and it rates you, you know, you get like a, it's like a stoplight. Green was like, you were good, you don't, you know, you, you've passed this. Yellow is, could use improvements. Um, but and but then it goes to red and red is you failed miserably and you need to really work on this, um, which which some of the things I could have told you about like I, my hips are super tight I know that I need to do hip stretches and exercises and that sort of thing but like I I would I would have thought that I would have told you hey I'm pretty good at that and turns out I'm not really that great at it and other things I would have been like oh I'm terrible at that and it's like no it turns out I'm pretty decent at it. I will say that the one thing that I thought was funny, I had to put, I had to stand barefoot uh, on one foot, so I'm not, and then I got to close my eyes. Once I close my eyes, the count starts. So I, I stand up there, I get on one foot, and I kind of put my arms out. You can wobble, but you can't helicopter, is what Dr. Mike says. So like your body's natural ability to correct itself is fine. But like if you're wobbling and try, like you're trying to keep your balance by your arms flailing, that's when we stop. So I get on my right, and you got three tries. So I get on my right foot, I get up there, I get my balance, I close my eyes, one, two, I fall. I was like, okay, second try, right? Kind of refigure, kind of recalibrate, do it again. I think I get to three. Try it again, I get to three again. Then we go to the left foot. I think I topped out at like eight on my left foot, which again, because of my past medical history with different, I've broken my ankle, I've had ankle surgery, I've had foot surgery on my right foot, that kind of makes it, that makes sense. So then he's like, okay, so you got eight on the left, you got three on the right. The goal was 15. Wow. So even on my wow. good side, I wasn't wow. close. And, and it, remember how I was talking about like, hey, I, like that's the thing that TPI is what Justin Thomas does, right? Justin Thomas is holding it for like 40 seconds. <laughs> So I'm here on my strong foot, supposedly, because I'm right-handed, I'm right-footed. My, my strong one is three seconds, and Justin Thomas is just chilling there at, at 40 That's seconds. insane. So, That's insane. Yeah. So, like, it really <clears> – <throat> and then so and then he goes – and this is what I also loved about Dr. Mike. He did an awesome job of explaining every little bit. So, like, hey, this is what – this is the TPI thing. We're going to test your shoulder flexibility. We're going to test your elbow rotation. We're going to test this. But then he also explained why that's important in the golf swing. So, like, while I'm standing there balancing – and, again, we're focused on this one particular thing. I was there for over an hour and a half – this one particular thing, like the balance, it makes sense that that my miss 
is a slice, even just based on that balance. Why? Because I don't have balance in that foot or that, like the, the, the smaller muscles in my foot can't grip the ground, which in turn can't, like the power can't transfer from my hips to my foot. So like it just, the whole thing, he's going like step by step. That's why you probably missed that way, right? And he, in the same thing, like that's connected to, I have a tight hip. So, okay, there's connection. And then my, the left side of my thoracic, like my back, I can't turn, which you and I have talked about. He's like, well, then also your body has had years and years of overcompensating for this one thing. So now it's starting to hurt on this side because you're compensating. You're not supposed, the whole thing was, was fantastic. So long and short, you go through all these exercises. And like I said, I was there for over an hour and a half. We did a little work. I think the TPI test part probably took 45 minutes to an hour. At the end of it, you get a score and TPI does it as a, as a handicap. So I'm sure Justin Thomas is, is either a zero TPI handicap or maybe he's even a plus. I got 33. My TPI golf handicap was a 33. And I guess, I, real and, quick, before you go off that number, because yeah. that interests me. I, I'm a numbers guy. Mm-hmm. I like data. I like that type of stuff. Now, it, is there a scale? Like, do you see a scale or does he give you an idea, Ryan, you starting at 33, my goal is to get you to... A number like where is the do you get graded after every time like how is the as you continue throughout this process where does dr mike say okay ryan i got you at a good spot is there a number in mind or was that talked about as kind of like a an end product so i don't uh, we didn't talk about like an end product there but we did talk about like like how doing some of these exercises should lower that score and, and kind of how it lowers that score. So there's not like a sliding scale of kind of where you should be because, cause like, again, like I, I've, I can't balance on the right foot. Maybe someone else can't balance on the left, but each of those is its own, its own score. So you add all these scores together and, and again, no, I, on to answer your question. No, I, I now have, like the end part of it is I downloaded an app, the TPI, like my TPI app. I have my exercises in there that I have to do every day. It varies in different increments, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 an hour. And obviously the more, the longer you go, the more exercises you go. So if you go for 15 minutes, it's, these were the things that were all red flags in your, in your test. But uh, I'm looking through the app now. There's not like a sliding scale or anything like that on this. It just has it just has my golf fitness handicap is a 33. Yeah, well, that, that's not breaking 100. So we got to find a way. If Dr. Mike says he's getting you to scratch by the fall, Dr. Mike is in for a <laughs> hell of a fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I, I think it bodes well that I. Like that doesn't, uh, and I asked him, I was like, is that saying, my, my one question for him was, <clears throat> is TPI saying that based on my score, I should be a 33 handicap? Or is it just saying that 
like giving my my goal like how I did today like a, a grade basically and he said no it's giving it a grade it's not like what you should be based on your because my first thought was wow it's pretty impressive like such a shit score and I'm not uh, you know my athleticism again, is overriding a, my flexibility thank god <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, so you know what? So it's funny you say that because that was something that like, you know, as a former athlete, I, I have, there's certain things that I can do that if you look at me, you'd be like, he can't do that. <laughs> you know, like, like that's, that guy's too big to be able to move like that. And I, I get that. But again, so like some of the stretches or some of the flexible, it's like, wow, that's, like that's shockingly flexible for like usually people your size are not not flexible like that. So there's so there's certain things that again being a former athlete certainly helps and you know so uh, so it was it was it was really yeah, so good. I mean anyway, long to, and short, to, it, it was, sounds like it's it's a great thing for for people that are looking to improve themselves in the off season mm-hmm. especially here in New Jersey where it's hard to get out and play. So if you're looking for other areas and you can't afford the indoor simulators and you can't afford, you know, the the putting mats or you can't afford certain things, um, but you want to find ways to improve your overall health, forget about the golf aspect of things. Like you're talking overall health and quality of life. That that what Dr. Mike has going on there seems like a a great thing for people to dive into. Clearly, you you know you can find him on Instagram at Sports Solutions PT. And, and obviously, you know, what Ryan's saying kind of validates, you know, some of the work that he's doing. So I, I think as he continues to grow, you know, hopefully your score continues to get better. And I guess my question each week, you know, the more you go is, are we under 30 yet? Like, that's going to be my next question to you. Like, I, you know. So that's a great question. I actually, I'm going to text him that. Like, how often does that, like, do we have to do another evaluation for it to go down? Or is it just see that I'm doing better and it goes yeah, I mean, down? I'd imagine it's another evaluation. Yeah, I mean, I'm no offense. This could turn into, like, a little bit of a game here. Like, all right, where's <laughs> Ryan at today on the physical therapy right. scale? <laughs> so, uh, I, yeah, I mean, Mike, I, I can't. I think that's a great what you said is perfect. Like if you're in the the Middletown area, which is where Mike his office, Dr. Mike's office is, if you're anywhere near that, go see him. It's it's cold in New Jersey. Like we're we're not you know, it's January. We got a couple months before the season starts. I think this is the right time to go go now, go see Dr. Mike, get the TPI test. Get your score. Start working on the stuff that you need. Again, it's not trying to fix your golf swing. It's trying to make the golf swing that you have better. And and like you said, if you don't have time or the money to go to the indoor simulator all the time, this is arguably better than that. Like, take some time off from the swing, improve the body, and and then come back in March, April, and start attacking. I think uh, again, just a, that's a great idea and. If you're not near the Middletown area, if you're way up north or way down south, go find another TPI certified instructor because th- this was great. But again, if you're, I'd say if you're within 45 minutes of Middletown, Mike was such a cool dude. It was so awesome to work with him. Um, I, I I don't have enough good things to say. I, I don't. I really don't. He was awesome. This was this was fantastic. And I'm 
like you said, this is my this is my goal is to be more flexible and this kind of thing, and and I'm I'm going to be working towards it, and we're going to see where where we come out the other side. All right, so that's going to kind of wrap us up here, Mike. Honestly, I'm super excited for you guys to listen to our interview with Mark Costanza. Uh, Mark's a New Jersey guy, Bergen Catholic. He is a um, two-time NJSGA Player of the Year. Most recently, this past year, 2022, he was the low amateur at the New Jersey State Open in 2022, finished solo third, and really had an awesome conversation. I mean, we just we just talked and talked and talked and talked, and it was it was really a lot of fun to just to just yuck it up with him. Really, is what it was, and he was phenomenal and, and a great golfer. Good stories. He's he's uh, we had a lot of fun with him. So, without further ado. Here's our interview with Mark Costanza. Mark, what's going on? What's up, guys? How you doing? Good. Dude, How are thanks you? for taking the time to come on, man. Yeah, no worries. I uh, appreciate you having me. I think what you guys are doing is is great. I mean, anytime you guys can do some stuff for golf in New Jersey, I mean, that's that's very legit. So I appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, listen, you know, when I when I told Ryan, I said, you know, listen, I, I think I got Marcus Stanza on. And I said, for for people that know New Jersey golf, like that, that's a big time get for guys like us that are just starting out. So listen, you know, I, I do appreciate it. You know, I, I've been a competitive golfer. I played division three collegiate golf and one then I had a family. I have two little girls and I, I kind of stop playing competitively and, and maybe I would play four or five times in a year. Um, but then COVID hit and I started playing golf a little more seriously. And, and that's kind of when I started like diving back into the competitive world and looking at things, following things. And I think your run in the 2021 USGA Mid-Am kind of like re-sparked my interest and in like, wow, okay, it's, it's fun watching very good golfers from New Jersey be competitive on a, on a national scene. Like I, I, I like that. And then I, I was fortunate to qualify for the, for the New Jersey state open this year at the Ridge. And, and I'm just this little guy who just is a golf nerd and, and knows all the names. So I'm legit on the range and I see you guys walking by. I see you, I'm hitting balls in between Jason Gore and Tyler Hall. And I'm like, I said to Ryan, like I'm awestruck. I'm up there sculling shots on the range, watching these guys just pound balls. And I'm like, where am I? And I know that's a small world for someone like in New Jersey golf, but the guys like Ryan and I that are like all in on New Jersey golf, like it is like the PGA tour to some extent. So getting guys like you and, and others that we've been fortunate to have on the show is for, for, for a nerd like me, that's all in on New Jersey golf. It's like, it's kind of like a home run. No, oh, that's awesome. Well, congrats on making it to the state open, man. That's, that's no easy task. Um, and uh, I can really appreciate uh, your story as I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it, but you know, it's funny how kind of certain things happen that, you know, sort of respark your interest in getting back into it competitively. And um, I'm glad I, I, you know, inspired you in any way, maybe through the mid am and, and, and got you back on the horse. So I uh, look forward to seeing you out there, you know, next season. Yeah, well, I hope, hopefully. Uh, I'm, I, I don't know if that was luck or what, but it was, it was, you know, I'll take it. But <laughs> you got to, you got to have more than just luck to get out there. There's no question. All right, right. So here we go. So, so today's guest, I think, 
you know, when it comes to the New Jersey golf world, it's, it's a household name. You know, we're fortunate to have Marcus Stanza in today. Um, born and bred New Jersey guy, went to Bergen Catholic two-time, first-team All-State. You know, Bergen Catholic, uh, Bergen County, New Jersey golf, North Jersey golf for the year in 2004. Went on to play Division One golf at Southern Methodist University, then went over to St. John's after that. He's a two-time MGA Player of the Year, as well as winning the 2020 New Jersey State Open as an amateur. Um, won the 2020 MGA Ike Stroke Play Championship. He's also a two-time NJSGA Player of the Year, which he just recently won this year as well in 2022. The, I, I mean, I guess I could go on and on in terms of a, of a bio here on Mark, but one thing I did find that I thought was kind of interesting is he's 140th ranked amateur in the world. And if I my math was correct, he was he is top 10 in the mid-am in the world and top three in the United States. So, Mark, listen, I, I appreciate you taking some time to come talk shop here with us. Um, so I appreciate it, man. I really do. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So so kind of to get this thing started, like, you know, why don't you dive into, you know, a little bit of your journey from, you know, from Bergen Catholic in high school into college to, to kind of where you are now? Because, you know, like I said at the beginning, I, I think anybody that follows golf in our area you're a household name. They always expect you near the leaderboard, if not a top leaderboard. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit about your journey? Sure. Um, yeah. So, you know, it starts probably way earlier than Bergen Catholic. Um, you know, I grew up in Upper Subtle River, New Jersey, up in Bergen County. Um, you know, got introduced to golf at a super young age. Um, my parents, my father specifically introduced it to me. Um, and I, you know, ever since I could remember for Christmas or birthdays, you know, all I wanted was golf clubs, you know, you know, a training aid, um, you know, some sort of golf equipment, something I can go bang around balls in the backyard, something like that. Um, so, you know, growing up, um, you know, played competitively, probably starting at the age of, you know, seven, seven or eight, uh, playing, you know, in, in the Burton County um, you know, junior golf circuit, it was called the pioneer tour, which, um, you know, uh, Kevin Purcell, who's the president of the, you know, New Jersey golf association, he was instrumental in that pioneer tour, uh, which really kind of started me in competitive golf, you know, in New Jersey, which was, which was great. And, you know, I'd say, you know, from the ages of eight until, uh, you know, 12, 13 or so, you know, I really sort of hit my stride as, a junior player um, started playing in some national events, you know, once I turned, you know, 10, 11, um, you know, just really had sort of uh, this undying love for competitive golf, you know, from a very young age. Um, so, you know, when I was, you know, 13, um, I guess, yeah, right before high school, um, you know, eighth grade, you know, was playing in national events, you know, against guys like Ricky Fowler and, you know, um, wow. these guys were, you know, sort of the national guys that were my age that were playing, you know, in AJGA events and IJGT, which was another tour. Um, and then I went to high school at Bergen and for the first couple of years at Bergen, you know, tore it up, as you mentioned, my, you know, was, was player of the year, you know, first team all state, my freshman year, my sophomore year. Um, so kind of came on, 
you know, to the New Jersey high school scene, you know, pretty quickly. Um, With a then, bang. You know, yeah. sorry. With a bang. <laughs> yeah, came out with a bang. And, you know, I, I had high expectations. You know, I, I, I was playing very well. Um, you know, I think folks really expected a lot of me at that time. They were sort of like, hey, Mark's going to be, you know, a college golfer for sure. And then he's probably going to be on the PGA tour. I mean, th those were kind of the expectations that I had for myself as well. Um, and then, you know, probably from junior year of high school um, for a while, um, I sort of regressed, um, you know, in comparison to the trajectory that I was on, <clears throat> I definitely regressed, you know, likely because I, I started caring more about having fun and my social life and, you know, all the things that come with, you know, being a 17 year old kid, you know, and, and moving on, you know, from that age, um, was still able to get, um, a scholarship to play golf, you know, down at Southern Methodist, um, went there for a year. You know, I, I really enjoyed Dallas. Um, I think it's a great city. Uh, some of my best friends, you know, are still, you know, folks that I went to school with there. Um, I just didn't really get along with the coach. You know, it's, it's a Southern school. It's a Southern culture. Um, I know a lot of guys from this area have gone to Southern schools and thrived. Um, you know, for me, it just uh, was a little bit different, I guess, you know, culture wise. I'm a, an Italian from New Jersey going down to, you know, Southern Methodist where, you know, I was the only kid on the team from the Northeast. And, you know, this was at a time when people thought like Jersey Shore they thought I was Jersey Shore, you know, and, and I was like, you guys have no idea. I mean, like, I have a lot of buddies, you know, from high school that are legit Jersey Shore. I'm like, but it's not, you know, it's not necessarily me. Um, but, you know, they would always, um, you know, bust my chops and the guys were great, but ended up just not really playing too well when I was there. Didn't really get along with the coach that well. Um, and so I, I threw my name in the hat as potentially wanting to transfer out and, um, coach from St. John's University, uh, Frank Darby, <clears throat> you know, I owe a lot to him because, you know, he reached out to me right away. And, you know, I think he remembered me as a, as a junior player, you know, up here in this area. And he said, Hey, you know, how would you like to come play for St. John's? You know, we'll give you a full scholarship. And it was sort of like, okay, done deal. I get to go back closer to home. Um, you know, and I knew a couple of guys on the team, you know, we had some good players, you know, already. So, it just ended up being a great move. And, you know, like I said, I was super thankful for, for coach Darby. Um, in getting Mark, were you, were you on the team? Were you on the team with Keegan Bradley then? Did Keegan Bradley go to St. John's? So, so Keegan did go to St. John's. Um, my freshman year at SMU, Keegan was a senior at St. John's. Oh, okay. So See, gotcha. when I transferred in, I just missed him. Um, but, you know, have a lot of mutual friends. And actually when I, when I transferred into St. John's, you know, Keegan was still dating a girl that went to St. John's. So, you know, we had a house where all the golfers lived in. So he was hanging out there my first, you know, year at St. John's, um, you know, playing beer pong, you know, hanging out. And, and I've gotten to play golf, you know, a bunch with Keegan. And, and like I said, a, a lot of good mutual friends uh, between the two. Very cool. Yeah, I, I didn't know the timeline. I, I was pretty sure he did. Uh, that he went to St. John's, but I didn't know that I didn't know exactly the timeline. Yep. Yeah. So I missed him by by one year. Um, and when I was in when I was at SMU, um, Colt Nost was a senior at SMU and Kelly Kelly Kraft was one of my roommates at SMU, you know, who plays plays on tour now. Mm -hmm. um, 
so it was kind of funny, you know, Colt was a senior and Keegan was a senior, you know, both had great careers, obviously, you know, Keegan's still out there doing it and uh, just one, which was great. So we're mm-hmm. always rooting for him. So, so after, after St. John's. Okay. Right now. I mean, again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like probably within like the last, like, you know, four or five years, you've kind of like exploded more so than like you were mentioning when you first got to high school and then you kind of, in your eyes regressed, I would love to know what regress means, right? In terms of his regression, but can we actually go back to that real quick? Do you actually mean regressed or like you're on this trajectory and then all of a sudden almost like the flat line, you, you couldn't possibly someone of your caliber is not regressing. All right. Let's, let's at least understand that. It, no, you know, it, it certainly, you know, was, was a regression from, you know, uh, how I was playing just as, as a junior player. And I, and I think it all, you know, it all comes, this game is all mental, right? So, I mean, it, it all comes down to your mental outlook, um, your confidence level, things that are going on off the golf course, how that affects you on the course um, can really answer probably a lot of the questions that you guys have about, you know, why did you play so well in this stretch of your life? And why didn't you play so well in that stretch of your life? Well, it has a lot to do with, you know, how well things were going, you know, outside of golf. And, For sure. you know, I, I, I certainly did, you know, regress. Look, I was still able to play college golf, get a scholarship, you know, it, obviously hold my spot, play, play well <laughs> enough, but, you know, not anywhere close to how I've played the last three years and also not anywhere close to just kind of how well I played leading up to high school as a junior player and just sort of, you know, winning constantly and, you know, um, playing with that sort of, you know, fearless confidence, um, that, that certainly went away for, uh, a, a prolonged period of time. Yeah. yeah. So, so I guess this transition from St. John's, was there another, I, I guess like lull in a sense, in terms of like your career or did I miss something when doing some research? Because obviously since like looking back at my things and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but like 2020 seemed to be like the catapult again to your amateur career. And I guess my question is like, from when you graduated St. John's to about 2020, I mean, what did we take a break? Did we just not play as well? Did you know where where was that time frame for you in your career? Yeah. So when I graduated St. John's, um, you know, it was right at the time when a lot of you know Keegan had just won the PGA, right? So a lot of the the guys from St. John's, you know, were sort of like, hey, you know, we want to give professional golf a shot, you know. Keegan could do it, you know, we can do it. Gotcha. Um, so a lot of guys were going down to Florida, you know, wanting to play professional golf. When I was a senior in high school, I'm sorry, senior at St. John's, I had really no interest in playing professional golf at that time. So I wanted to work. I wanted to work right away. I wanted to start making money for myself. I wanted to start having a career. So that's what I did. As soon as I graduated, I worked for um, a mortgage company for a year and a half, um, you know, enjoyed it, did pretty well. Um, but then it's funny after a year and a half, I sort of say to yourself, well, I could always come back and do this, but ever since I was, you know, four or five years old, I always wanted to play professional golf. So I got to go and give it a shot. So I went down to Florida and I turned pro 
and you know tried to play professionally for a very short stint i'll call it a year year and a half max um i went to q school twice you know i think i got past the pre-qualifying one time you know played in a bunch of mini tour events i really didn't play worth a damn i i really didn't i i i played okay i had a couple of decent finishes here and there but again nothing like i've played in the recent years um and I, I just, again, I, I attribute that to sort of not having my mind sort of in the right place. Um, you know, it's tough to play professional golf, you know, and I'm sure anybody can tell you, you know, it's expensive. It, it, the guys are really, really good. You have to travel a lot. Um, but there's a difference in playing, you know, golf for your living. And it's like, if, if I don't make, you know, five birdies coming in, you know, I might not eat well tonight you know, or, 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 you know, like that's the mindset for certain guys, you know, um, moving into it. And, and they're so concerned about, I don't have any, you know, if you have backing, that's great. But if you don't have backing and you're not making, you know, not making putts, you're not making birdies, like you, you're, you're really in a tough spot. Whereas, you know, luckily now, and I think that's what has freed me up in the amateur game in the mid amateur game, I would say specifically is, you know, I have a career, I have a job, you know, that's sort of taken care of where now I can just go out and have fun and compete. And, you know, it, it's a different sort of mindset. And that's how I give the guys who are out there grinding and, and get onto the PGA tour or just power through the years and years of, of mini tours and struggle. And you see those stories of guys that are 34, 35, 36, you know, that finally break out and get their PGA tour card. I got the utmost respect for those guys because I don't think people realize, you know, how much of a sacrifice and, and how hard of a journey, you know, that is. Um, so, you know, obviously props to those guys, but, you know, I did it for a year and a half and I said, you know what, I can't do this, you know, and I, and I saw those guys, I saw guys who were 34, 35 that were still trying to make it living out of their cars, you know, traveling from tournament to tournament, you know, some of them were married and had kids, and I was like, you know, look, as much as I wanted to be on the PGA tour, you know, I wasn't playing well. I'm realistic. I was like, I'm not playing well enough to do this. And I don't want to be that guy. So like, I, I wanted to make a change. So, you know, I, I went back up, you know, to New Jersey, I, I packed up my car, I drove home. Um, and I started applying, you know, for, for jobs up here, ended up starting working at Bank of America. Um, and, you know, worked at Bank of America for four or five years. And, you know, really didn't play much golf. You know, golf for me at that time was sort of on the back burner. I mean, I, I certainly played a little bit and I played socially, but in terms of competitive golf, you know, really didn't play all that much. Um, and, you know, kind of to just to <laughs> rewind a little bit, you know, I'll tell you guys this, like, you know, from when I said I regressed, you know, back in, in high school and then also, you know, even throughout college and throughout, you know, maybe my, my professional career, if you want to call it that, you know, for a year, you know, I struggled severely with the yips, specifically chipping and pitching, you know, was, was something that, you know, I'm not afraid of talking about now, but that was a really like strong, um, demon that I had in, in my golf game that, you know, as you guys know, if you don't have a short game, if you can't hit wedges, if you can't make up and down, I, 
I don't care how well you're going to hit the ball, you know, it's really going to be a struggle for you to score. And for somebody that, you know, short game when I was a junior player used to be one of my, you know, the best parts of my game. And now here I am, you know, playing in college tournaments and, you know, hitting 30 yard pitch shots, you know, a hundred yards over the green or, you know, flubbing it two feet. And again, solely a mental sort of block and a mental issue um, that really wore on me big time. And it was something that I really couldn't get over. I just couldn't really get that out of my system. And it's something I battled through late high school years, all throughout college, even though, again, I played, you know, some good golf and I played okay, but, you know, it was something that I really battled. And, you know, through the years that I was working at Bank of America, I'll tell you, you know, a story. One of the years, I forget what year it was, but I want to say probably 20, gosh, maybe 2017, 2018, 2017. I, I couldn't tell you, but I remember I, I qualified for the New Jersey State Open. And I didn't play many tournaments that year, but I decided I wanted to try and qualify for the New Jersey State Open. And it was at Matitakong. And um, again, I might have the year wrong, but it was one of those two years. And uh, I hadn't played competitively in a big event like that really since, you know, I was playing down in Florida, playing pro, you know, and really those events are like mini tour events, different from the state open. The state open is like a major tournament. So here I am, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to play. I qualified. So we'll see what happens. Um, I birdied the first hole. And I said, I, I think I hit it to like two inches. And I said, man, I'm like, all right, I'm back. Let's go. <laughs> Let's knock and roll. I proceeded to over the next eight holes. I, I must've been, I don't know, 12 over par at the turn uh, after birding the first hole, purely a result of legitimately having, you know, the yips came back. I started, you know, full swing yips, chipping it terribly. Like I, I was, it was so mentally draining on me that I withdrew from the tournament after nine holes because I was going to shoot 96. I, I mean, who knows what I was going to shoot. I withdrew from the tournament and I remember walking back to the car and I remember walking back, you know, and thinking I'm never going to play competitive golf again. Like I'm going to play for fun I'm going to play, you know, at the club with my buddies and do all of that, but I'm never going to play competitive golf. Like I was so distraught and so disappointed in what I just, you know, did out there on the golf course that I was like, I'm, I'm done. Um, so I really didn't play much, you know, for the next few years, again, was focused on work. Um, and then, you know, one of the contributing factors that I will say really, you know, kind of ramped me up to where I am now um, was Hamilton Farm. So I, I ended up joining, you know, Hamilton Farm. Um, this is my fifth year. So, you know, I joined Hamilton Farm and, you know, just got in with a great group of guys. So um, it, playing with them, you know, on a Saturday morning, you know, a Sunday morning, hanging out, you know, really enjoying, I guess, golf again, because now I'm part of like a group with these great guys. We have a ton of fun. Um, that year, which was so, I mean, I joined there in 20, I guess that was 2018 or 2019, 2018. Um, the year before, I'm sorry, so 2019, 2019 at Hamilton Farm, I played a bunch. Uh, 
you know, with these guys. And I was finding that every time I was playing with them, I was shooting 67, 68, 69, 66, 67. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, like I'm playing pretty well right now. And, I, and I'm really just having a good time. I'm just enjoying myself. These guys are great. We're hanging out. I love this golf course. So at the end of 2019, I didn't play any golf tournaments in 2019 except for one, which was the U.S. Mid-Am Qualifier. So I went and I played in the U.S. Mid-Am Qualifier. I think it was at Fairmont in, Ch in Chatham. Um, I shot, I think, a 67 or 68. I forget, but I was medalist and kind of just went out with the same mentality of, hey, I'm just going to have fun. Let's just keep this fun train going and let's enjoy ourselves and played great. And then went to the U.S. Mid-Am out in Colorado in 2019 and missed the cut, mismatch play by, I think, two shots. I made two double bogeys. It was a tough course. But it was after that event that I really sort of said, wow, I'm playing in a national championship and I'm just happy to be here. I had never played in a USGA event before that 2019 US Mid-Am. Wow. And I just sort of said to myself, I could still play with these guys. Like I could still be out here and I could still do some damage. Like I know that I have more left in the tank and I felt like I owed it to myself to really give competitive golf another shot. So you know, at the start of 2020, and even before that, it really started at the end of that mid-am in 2019, but at the start of 2020, I had it in my mind. I said, okay, I'm going to play competitive events again, and I'm really going to commit to my goal is being, I just want to win one more major golf tournament in my life. That's it. it, and, it and for me, that could have qualified as the New Jersey mid-am. It could have been the New Jersey Am. It could have been, you know, an MGA event. It could have been any any one of those just sort of that would qualify as like, here's a legit tournament. I played in it and I won. I'm holding the trophy. That that was like all I was looking for, you know, to sort of satisfy, you know, my golfing, you know, career at that point. Um, and did all the qualifiers in 2020 at the start of 2020, qualified for everything. And then the first event of 2020, was the New Jersey State Open at Knickerbocker. And I had played Knickerbocker a bunch before I joined Hamilton Farm. I actually was a summer member at Knickerbocker for, you know, a year. So I, I knew the course really well, place I was comfortable at, um, you know, shot one over in the first round. And then in the second round of the State Open, that's where I really feel like I, I had Took arrived. Took I arrived. Exactly. Like I arrived, I, I, I shot 65. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, I thought I remember, I was going to say, I thought it was 63, but I do remember that being a huge difference in terms of where you were on the leaderboard. Correct. Correct. I mean, I, I, I catapulted, you know, up, up from there. And, and, you know, after that round, it was sort of one of those rounds where I just, everything was flowing. I mean, I hadn't played around like that in a very, very long time, like maybe since I was like even a junior player where, where I could be so like free and just enjoying myself and, and, you know, kind of just being in that flow state and, and, you know, it was just something I hadn't experienced in a, in a while. So um, to be able to do that, it was sort of like at the end of the round, I said, well, well what did, what did we shoot? <laughs> you know, I don't even remember, you know, what, what just happened. 
Um, and, you know, obviously found myself in, in the thick of it in the final round and, you know, battling down the stretch with Tyler Hall. And here I am. I haven't really played golf tournaments like seriously in a, in a, in a long time, but also haven't really been in contention to win a golf tournament in a, in a while. And here I am coming down the stretch of the New Jersey State Open um, and played solid in the final round. And the best thing about it was in regulation, you know, at the end on the 18th hole, I was coming up, I was in the final group and I had a chip, probably a, I don't know, a, a 30 yard chip, you know, from in front of the green, I needed to make up and down to force a playoff. And I swear, you know, throughout my whole college career and, and, you know, beyond I'm putting that a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> and now, and now I have, you know, a gallery around the green and I swear I'm walking up to this chip and I'm like, I'm going to put this. Like, I, I think I'm going to put this because I mean, you know, those old thoughts and the demons, like they start coming back, but you know, something told me, I was like, you know what, this is, this is where we bury this. This is where we bury this. I said, if, if you don't have the balls to take your wedge out, cause that's the correct shot yeah. to hit right now, then like you're, this is always going to have the best of you. So I, I really, I was, I was nervous as hell. Uh, I'm not going to lie, but I, I took out my sandwich <laughs> and I said, let's, let's give this a go. And I chipped it. I hit a good chip, hit it up there to like six, seven feet, um, made the putt and uh, you know, went on to win in a playoff. So um, that was just super gratifying for me that, you know, it, it kind of came down to having to make an up and down when I'm, when I'm chipping the ball. Um, and, and I had sort of the, the moxie to say, you know, what, I'm just going to do this, you know, which was great. Yeah. That, that's, that's awesome. That's a great way to, as you said, like exercise those demons. It's like, it's so fitting how full circle that came for you of like going through it. And then it's like, if I want to be a, a competitive golfer, I've set this goal. I want to, I want to win a tournament. I got to go through my demons and to, to bust through like, that's awesome. And I think there's no doubt, even within the audience that people that listen, like to hear someone of your caliber, explain that and be honest about it, it resonates with so many people because we've all been there. It doesn't matter if you're a unbelievable amateur like yourself or a scratch player or a 15 handicap. We all have gotten over those 30 yard, 20 yard chips and said, dude, just don't chili dip this. Don't skull it over the green. Like we've all exercised that, but to hear someone like you on your caliber with your resume, be like, dude, I fight the same things that the everyday guy that shoots 90 goes through. It is, uh, is, is, you know, not enlightening, but it's, it's, it's happy to hear like, Hey, listen, he's human just like me. And he's fought that just like I have. So now I do think that's a good thing for, for the audience to hear. Absolutely. And, you know, I would say that for, for the guys that are out on tour, you know, they, they feel nerves too. I mean, no, I don't care how good you are, you know, you're going to feel nerves. You're, you're going to have doubts that, that, you know, slip into your mind here and there. It's just, you know, the, the, the guys that are able to succeed under pressure or the guys that have found ways to, to deal with that and to still perform, you know, despite having those feelings. But 
if you're coming down, if you're a golfer and you love golf and you love competing and you're coming down the stretch of a tournament and you're in contention to win and you're not feeling anything, then you just, you're not human. You know, <laughs> you, you're, 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 a, you're a robot, you know, like anybody who really, you just don't care. You know, somebody who really cares about winning, you're going to have those feelings. So Mark, let's, let's dive a little bit into the national scene at the 2021 USGA Mid-Am. Um, because I think that had to be one of the best moments for you. Um, and, and obviously me being the golf nerd, I am like, I, I know the area pretty well. We grew up going to Cape Cod every summer. You know, my parents had a house in Falmouth Heights. Um, I never got over to Nantucket, but we've gotten over to Martha's Vineyard many, many times. So I think when I heard that you guys were, you know, at, Correct me if I'm wrong. Sankati is that how is that how it's pronounced? Uh, Sankity. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So when I heard that you were out in that area, I'm like, oh wow! Like that's when I became like really following every single day in your in your journey. And obviously, then when I found out, like, oh wow, he's playing Stuart Hagestad, like one of the best amateurs, mid amateurs as well, like in the world. Like I was like. Oh God, I'm, I'm finding a way to watch this and follow every hole. I couldn't find, I'll never forget. I couldn't find a live feed, but I'm refreshing my phone after every hole, seeing what's going on. And, you know, just to recap it, but I'll let you dive more into it. Like for the audience, you were seven down through 11 holes of the 36 hole final. Um, you did win two of the last seven holes to finish five down going into the final 18 holes. But me again, refreshing that thing going on. And then I'm seeing, wow, he wins another hole in the second 18. He wins another hole. And then to be one down with two to go, like that whole, I guess, environment, the, the arena, like what was that experience like? And, and I know there's more to the story because, you know, I knew that, you know, I read that your wife, was on the bag. She grew up going to that area. So like I, I had known that it was a, it was like a way more bigger experience than just the tournament itself. Yeah, it was uh it was a special, special week. Um, the only thing that would have made it more special is if I would have got it done at the end. I know. Uh, but, but regardless, you know, it, it was a special week. Obviously we, you know, my wife and I had just gotten married so, you know, to, to rewind there, we, we got married and, um, you know, I had this tournament, which was, you know, the U.S. Mid-Am. And, and, you know, I said, you know, hey, you know, we, we, there's a tournament that's, you know, a week after we're getting married. Um, <laughs> but luckily it's in Nantucket, you know, and Nantucket is, um, you know, my wife's favorite place, you know, in the world. So if that golf tournament was anywhere else. I'm not playing in it. There's no question. So I, I, I kind of made a bargain and I said to, you know, my wife, Meredith, I said, you know, listen, we'll go up there. You know, it's two rounds of stroke play. If I don't make match play, we're going to stay the whole week in Nantucket and it's going to be part of our, our honeymoon. Right. Um, so no big deal. I said, you can come up. You, I think it's a pretty flat course. You can push the push cart. You'll be, you'll be great. You know? So she, she agrees to do this. Um, you know, and then obviously I, I played well and I start winning matches and, and, and I'm just kind of enjoying life. I'm on a high, you know, I just won. I'm sorry. I just got married. 
um, and, and we're having a good time, you know, we're going out, you know, for dinners, you know, we're, we're, we're hanging out, not taking it too seriously, but again, going back to what I said about things off the course being good, translating on the course, prime example. So played well, started playing well. And then I think probably at around, you know, the round of 16, when I won the round of 16 and then the round of eight, you know, I think Meredith was, was up until that point, sort of like, well, how much longer are we going to go? How, how much longer are we, you know, we're going to play golf on this trip. Um, but then once we got to the round of, you know, 16 and the round of eight and sort of the excitement of the event starts building and building, I don't think anybody was more into it than, than Meredith was, you know, and, and she was a phenomenal caddy. I give her all the credit in the world um, because she kept me, you know, completely relaxed, you know, uh, during, you know, these, you know, uh, these matches uh, that, you know, otherwise, you know, somebody else could have been like, you know, holy crap, dude, like you're, you're, you're making a run at this thing. And she just was, was very nonchalant about it. And um, you know, it was a lot of fun. So I, I, I won, Every match I played in that event, I was playing so well that week that <clears throat> I really didn't have the any ounce of doubt that if I were just going to continue playing the way that I was playing, I was going to beat everybody that I was matched up against. That's that's the comfort level that I had that week. I, I was playing extremely well. I didn't have one 18-hole stretch either in stroke play or in any of the matches leading up to the final where I was over par, I was under par in, in all 18 holes, you know, in all those rounds. Um, fast forward, obviously I get to the final. So now I'm at the final and the final was a little bit skewed because normally you'd play 36 holes final all in one day. The way that the weather, you know, had sort of affected the event because of fog, there was a fog delay and we had to sort of cram to, to, to get it in. Um, I played the semifinal match in the morning and then I played the first 18 of the final that afternoon. Um, so going into that afternoon final, you know, it really starts to hit you a little bit that. You know, I, know, I got I know. 36 I know. holes I to, yes, win a national championship, but to play in the Masters. Like that, that you know, that, that is, you know, that, that for me, it sort of started to hit home That's good. At, at lunch <laughs> a little bit, you know, before the final match. And I said, wow, I'm like, okay, you know, here we go. Um, I'll admit, I, I had not played with Stuart at that time. Um, I played with Stuart since a few times, um, you know, and Stewart's a great player, obviously. Um, you know, he's, he's the number one ranked mid-am, you know, for a reason, you know, multiple Walker Cupper. He'd won that event before. So for him, he, he's been in that position. I certainly hadn't been in that position. Um, and it, and it certainly showed the first 11 holes of that match. I mean, I, I remember <laughs> the first tee shot on the first hole, in the final match, I mean, I hadn't even come close to missing that fairway. It's a pretty wide fairway. You really only have to hit like a two iron or a three wood. You know, I, I hit a driver, which was probably stupid in hindsight. I hit driver. I mean, I, I hooked this thing 70 yards into the brush left, like wasn't even close to, to sniffing the fairway. 
um, conceded the first hole, didn't even hit a second shot. You know, it, it was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I probably threw the first 11 holes. I, I'd probably say that I was, you know, maybe three, four over par. Um, and, and Stewart was maybe three under par. And, and there you go, like seven, seven down through 11. Um, it was getting to the point where I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get embarrassed here. Like this is, this is pretty rough. And you do have, I mean, it's the biggest gallery that I played in front of and, you know, there's no ropes. And so, you know, everybody's just walking with you in the fairway. And, you know, it's sort of like you walk to your ball and it's just all these people are, you know, it's a very intimate setting. Guys are all around you. Um, and I think just sort of the stage got the best of me, you know, early on. After I was seven down, I remember I made a putt on this par three and I made par and, you know, Stuart made bogey and I made like a yeah, you won 20 the footer, maybe you won the 12th hole. And I won the 12th hole, correct, with a with a par. Yeah, so <laughs> I made this par, and I remember sort of like looking up like, all right, I got one, you know, th this was great. And, uh, you know, Stuart, I think, gave me a look. He, he didn't like that too much, you know, that I was sort of like, oh, man, like, you know, I, I finally got one. So I started to play better, hit some better shots. You know, we, we tied, you know, every hole, you know, I think up into that 18th hole. 18th hole. I hit a good second shot onto the green and, and Stuart made an uncharacteristic mistake. He, he went long on his second shot and he failed to make up and down. So now, you know, I cut it to five after 18 and given how poorly I played, you know, especially in the first 11 holes, I sort of was like, okay, like I'm, I'm five down, at least I'm not nine down, you know, <laughs> I mean, based on how I'm playing, you know, I'm glad this thing is still, is still going on. Um, so I think it was an advantage in a sense to be able to go, go back home, you know, kind of reassess, you know, what was going on, um, and, and be able to come back the next morning and, and have that break in between. I can tell you that my mindset, you know, that night, um, I didn't sleep well. I, I did not sleep well that night. Uh, certainly I, I, I was worried about going back out and kind of putting on the same performance that I just did. And, and I said, well, you know, am I, am I, am I built for this right now? Am I, am I going to be able to like be on this stage? You know, I, I almost in a way was, was dreading it a little bit. Um, but through the encouragement of, you know, my wife, you know, she said, Hey, you know, you've been playing great, you know, let's just keep doing what we've been doing. You know, it, you got to go out there and give it your best. What else can I do? Right. I mean, I'm, I'm in this situation. First hole we have with pars second hole we have with pars the third hole, which was the turning point is a par three. And obviously up at Sankety head wind is always a factor. It's always blowing. I mean, it was blowing the entire week. That hole is like a 210 yard par three pin was on the left-hand side of the green. The wind was blowing hard right to left. I hit it a four iron into the wind, just absolutely perfect. And it drew with the wind and I hit it to about five feet and Stuart hit it into the bunker. Um, he hit it onto the green. You know, I made my putt and 
after that, I was like, okay, I'm four down, you know, and I just hit a great shot. And, and, and so at that point I sort of was like, let's just, let's just play some golf, man. Like, let, let's do this. And I started playing really well, um, started hitting good shots, started making, you know, some putts. Uh, and I just started chipping away and, you know, one, one, a hole here, you know, made a putt here, you know, I made a putt, um, forget what hole it was. I want to say it was probably 12 or no, it probably was 13 or 14. I, I made a 50 footer that was snaking down the hill, you know, I mean, ridiculous putt crowd was going insane that here I am now I'm only, you know, I was one, I got it to one down, I think from that putt. And I had birdie putts on the next two holes. So that would have been 14 and 15, 14 and 15. I hit it to about 10 feet on both those holes and missed both those opportunities that just make one of those would have been great. Um, and then we get to 16. So that would have been, you know, 34 in the match hole 34. And I had about a 20 footer for birdie and he had about a 15 footer for birdie. I drained my 20 footer and I'm thinking, you know, if he misses this putt, we're all square with two to go. And clearly all the momentum is on my side. Um, and Stuart, you know, the world-class player that he is, you know, he got up there and he just buried his putt. And that was a little bit of a heartbreaker because he, he had been around the hole and, you know, he hadn't really made anything all day, uh, but he made that one when it mattered. Um, and then, you know, on the next hole, par five, you know, I was aggressive with my chip. Um, he ended up making birdie and, you know, closed me out on, on the 35th hole. Um, but, you know, just an amazing week. Um, you know, I played really well besides the first 11 holes of, of that final match. And, and, you know, I wish I could have that back because, you know, obviously to get to a final of a national championship um, is so difficult. Um, and, and to be that close, um, you know, obviously it, it was a fairy tale week regardless, but, you know, if I just could have those first 11 holes back, you know, I, you know, maybe things could have been a little bit differently or could have worked out a little bit differently, but, uh, an amazing experience, amazing event. And I think that that for me really solidified that, you know, not only am I, you know, able to compete with the best players in this area, but really, uh, on, a, on a global stage, you know, I mean, that tournament's got guys from all around the world. So, um, you know, that, that was a really, really cool experience for me. There's no question. Yeah. Well, what, what an amazing story. Uh, can, can I first congratulations on getting married? Thanks. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Um, a week before is crazy. Your, your wife must be uh, very special to allow you to go play golf. Oh, you know, this kind of tournament be on the bag. But I will say kind of to your point from before about needing to like find the love of the game, so to speak, before, you know, kind of going through these highs and lows and, um, you know, finding that, you know, clearly for you, like like your wife is a good centering, uh, calming, soothing, whatever word you want to use presence for you and having her on the bag for that seemed to definitely be something that 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 kind of projected you in that. That's that's an awesome like that dynamic must've been, must've been sweet to have. Yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, you know, going up to, you know, the matches in the morning, you know, sometimes, you know, like when, when I would be, you know, kind of, you know, again, 
like we talked about, you're always going to be a little bit nervous. You're excited. You're whatever. And, you know, Meredith was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go get a bloody Mary. Like, you know, I'm going to go like, you know, we're, we're, we're going to go, you know, we're going to put this in the push card and, you know, we're going to, we're going to have fun. Like I'm on my honeymoon, you know, it's, it, it was just right. like, you know, made everything just kind of like, Hey, let's just, let's just have fun. It's not life or death. It's, it's a golf tournament. Puts it in perspective. A hundred percent. And so, you know, that was uh, very helpful. And, you know, she's caddied for me in uh, a number of events, you know, and, and, and a lot of times where I've played some of my best golf, you know, she's been on the bag. And I, I think that that's just a testament to, your point, you know, Ryan, just being able to be that calming influence and, you know, just putting things in perspective and, you know, having fun and, and just realizing that, you know, yeah, we all love to compete and I love, I'm a super, super competitive guy and, and, and golf is obviously the vehicle that I use to, to satisfy that. Um, but at the same time, we're, we're playing a game and, and we're, we're, we're having fun. We got to be having fun. And, and I think that that more than anything has been the reason why, you know, I've been able to play well over these last three years is just the perspective of this isn't life or death. This isn't, you know, if, if, if I don't play well, you know, I, I still have a great life. There's still great things, you know, going on, you know, as opposed to, you know, when you're a junior player, when you're in college, you know, and, and, and you have aspirations of playing professionally on the PGA Tour, you know, you put way, in my opinion, some people, and I think this is where guys get in trouble, they put way too much stock in, you know, how they play is how they view themselves, you know, and, and, and that is not the right way, at least for me to think about it, because, you know, again, you got to look at it at its core and it's, it's just a game and, and, and you're supposed to have fun doing it. And, it, and it, yeah, it's, it's definitely some people like, some people like that pressure. They, and they, and they like that, but that's not for everybody. And if, if it's not, if it's not for you, find whatever it is that, that makes it fun, makes it, you know, makes you succeed. You know, you always, everybody wants to be successful in whatever they're doing. And, if it's having fun with it and that's what it is, you know, clearly you have a, a swing that was developed as, you know, playing so much as a youngster that it, it's not necessarily the pounding balls or, or, you know, anything. It's the, it's the other side of the game. It's the, you know, the mental aspect, you know, dealing with the yips, having fun with it, finding the joy in it, that sort of thing, not necessarily the swing mechanics for you or anything like that is I'm not saying that you're not, you know, that you're not dealing with swing mechanics, but, the bigger, more important part of it is that other side. A hundred percent. I mean, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, folks would ask me, you know, Hey, you know, are you, because you've been playing so well, you know, you must be working with somebody or you, you must be, you know, like there must be something that you're doing, you know, differently in your swing that, that has attributed to the success that you've had, but it's certainly not the case. Um, you know, I actually, you know, I, I don't really work with, with anybody. Um, you know, I've, I've taken a lesson. I've probably taken maybe two lessons over the last, you know, seven years. Um, you know, I, I, I find that for me, golf is, is such a feel game, at least the way that I play it. And this certainly goes into the category of like, whatever works for you. Cause I know some players that are extremely technical that are unbelievable players that really like to dive deep into the golf swing and mechanics and they're working with guys nonstop and, and that works for them. I find the more that I practice specifically on the range, hitting golf balls, 
it ended up it, it ends up being a little bit of a detriment because I start overthinking things. So, you know, I start saying, okay, well, maybe I need to change this or change that. Certainly fundamentals that you always want to make sure that you have sound. And you know, when you've been playing golf as long as I have, you know, I know my tendencies and my swing better than anybody that any any teacher could tell me because it's not about going on the range and, you know, saying, well, you know, you get it a little bit inside and closed and you get a little bit across the line and you do it. Like, I, I know all these things. It's more like what's going to allow me to put the best strike on the ball when it matters, when, when, when the tournament is on the line, when I'm in a pressure situation, you know, what are the tactics or what are the strategies that I can use to ensure that I'm giving myself the best chance when it matters. And a lot of that comes down to the mental approach to the game versus, you know, going out there and, and, and playing golf swing instead of playing golf. Right. I, I, uh, I think that kind of propels us into like, Mike and I have a bunch of questions on like preparing for how do you get prepared for a tournament and, and whether it's practicing or even right before a round, let me ask you this actually. Right before a round, you get to a tournament, you're getting on the range to get loose. Are you working on things or are you just seeing how the ball's moving today and that's what you're going to play? It, based on like what you just said, I imagine it's the latter. Just like, hey, you know what? I got a, I got a little bit of a fade today. Let's, that's what we're going to play with. Or are you trying to work it out on the range and then, and then fix it? Yeah, definitely not trying to work on anything you know, right before I'm about to go play, you know, certainly, um, you know, and I think that that is, you know, it's a great question that you ask because, you know, preparation and how you can sort of even just leading up to the tournament and obviously, you know, the morning before, you know, finding a routine and finding what's going to put you in the best position to play your best um, is, is, the most important thing in, in, in my opinion. Um, and it's different for everybody, you know, it, it's certainly different for, for everybody in terms of what they would do. So, you know, I found that I like to get to the course, you know, usually around 45 minutes. I want to be on the range, like bag down, starting to stretch about 45 minutes before I tee off. You know, it, it, I found that that gives me enough time to do what I want to do, but I'm not getting antsy, like, okay, like, let's go, like, I'm ready to go. You know, uh, if I got there an hour and a half before and was hitting balls for an hour, like, it would, that would mm -hmm. be way too much. So 45 minutes. Um, and a good medium to, like, I'm not I'm not waiting around and getting antsy, but I'm also not feeling rushed or, like, okay, hit a couple balls real quick, go roll a couple putts, and then, you know, I got to rush up to the first. A hundred percent, yeah. I mean, and and – you know, the, I think whenever I go to a tournament, especially if it's a place that I, I haven't played or even if it's a place I've played, you know, the number one thing for me is you, you want to get an idea of the greens, the green speeds. Um, you know, that that's super important because green speeds can change, you know, on a day to day basis. And, and obviously, you know, I, I could play a course one year and the speeds could be, you know, a 12 and then I could play the course the next year and, and maybe they're a 10 or maybe they're a 13. So, you know, I think a lot of your time before you play and if you can get out there, you know, some of the larger events, you know, you can certainly 
have a few days leading up to in terms of preparation where you can get an idea. But if you're just playing it for the first time that day, um, a, a good chunk of what I'm going to do is, is hitting putts, you know, because I want to get a feel for the greens. I mean, my swing and, and hitting the ball, I mean, that that's I just need to get my muscles loose and get my body loose, you know, and, and that's really it. Like I said, I'm not working on anything technically on the range. Um, so I, I usually hit some putts, you know, I'll, I'll go and, you know, go through my bag fairly quickly, um, you know, on the range and then, you know, maybe hit a couple chips, um, and then go, I mean, you know, and, and, and then I'm ready to go, but it's, um, I found that, you know, having, certain things that you can focus on, um, you know, from a mental standpoint, you know, uh, that you can control going into a, a round, specifically a tournament round, um, is, is really important. And, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, like if I, if we went out and played golf tomorrow and I asked you guys, you know, what's your goal for this round? Go low, you know, go low, go, go low. <laughs> Right. And like, you know, it, whenever I ask that, a lot of folks will say, well, I want to break 80 or I want to, you know, uh, break par or, you know, I want to break 90 or I want to, you know, not embarrass myself. You know, like it, it could be any of those things. <laughs> That's that <Right>? one. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, those things are all sort of outcome related where, you know, I found that like if I go out and play, I usually have three things that I try to focus on that are all within my control. And at the end of the round, I only judge myself based on how well I did those three things. So those three things could be something like, you know, go through my pre-shot routine on every shot, whether it's the first tee or, you know, it's the last putt on the, of the tournament. That's something that is, is within my control. Like I, I can actually do that no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the conditions, I can control that. Another thing might be, you know, on every putt inside of, you know, six feet or five feet, you know, I'm going to listen for the ball to go in the hole and I'm not going to move my head. Again, something that I can actually physically control. Um, you know, another one might be, you know, grip pressure being light and consistent throughout the entire swing, you know, where I'm starting with it light and I'm keeping it that way throughout the entire swing. You know, again, things that I can physically control that if I do all those things correctly and at the end of the round, I can say, hey, Mark, you did all those things really well. I'm probably going to shoot a good score. But if you go into it, like you can't control whether you shoot par or not, because, you know, I could hit a good shot. It could hit the flag stick and it can you know shoot back into the water. You know, that that's that's not, you know, something that's within my control. So I think focusing on those sort of process oriented goals are are key they've been key to my success and i tell any any golfer out there that if you just had three things that you focused on within your control the next time that you played you know i guarantee you that you probably would shoot a better score than if you went out there just sort of with the mindset of you know i just want to play well or i, I just don't want to embarrass myself you know um and something that's really not um in your control yeah, there's no doubt. I think the audience and and just for a lot of us too, and I know myself the same way. Is like a lot of us are results driven, where it's like the number is the end all, be all. And sometimes when you're able to step back and not be so fixated on what is my number, what did I shoot, what was the front nine like, 
rather than just legitimately. And I know it's a cliche of taking it shot by shot, but like if you can find ways to control the controllables more or less, no matter what the results are, you'll know that you've done everything the best you possibly can do. Because like you used in that example, like I could hit a great shot. If it ricochets off the flag stack and goes in the water, I'm making double bogey and I did nothing wrong. Right. So there's no reason for you to get upset if you piped it down the middle and your second shot was exactly how you wanted to hit it. You just got unlucky. But I know that in the world we live in, when you talk about a, a results-driven world, like that's kind of what everybody, you know, falls on a sword for because that's all that anything matters to anybody rather than looking at it the way you do, which I think could be helpful for so many people that are trying to potentially take their game to the next level is like get away from the results. Stop being so fixated on them. Focus on the process. And if you do everything right there, then there's nothing you can do. You you, you kind of can you live with yourself and be content with, with that. Um, no doubt. But, Ryan, why don't you shoot Mark that one question that, that, that we were talking about beforehand? Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Mark, we, we kind of started this um, about – we, st- we kind of started the pod talking about this and how we, um, you know, we're, we're two guys that this is, we're 12 episodes into this. We've been lucky enough to have some great guests on. Uh, to have someone of your caliber on here is is incredible for us. And, and obviously we've had a great conversation. It's been, this has been awesome. Why us? Like, do you do a lot of podcasts? Do you do a lot of interviews and this kind of stuff? Or just like, hey, couple New Jersey guys, you got we got three Italians on here. Like, why? Like, what is the, what was the catalyst for you uh, wanting to jump on with us here? Well, you know, you guys should feel honored because you know I I declined Joe Rogan today so I could be on with you guys. But. <laughs> Listen, here we go. We'll take it. That's one up yeah, on Joe. For sure, there it is. <laughs> uh, no, definitely not. Actually, this is the first time I've ever done a podcast, so I mean, it's it's an exciting experience for me, and uh, you know, I appreciate you guys reaching out. And um, you know, like I said, you know, kind of in the beginning, um, you know, I'm a New Jersey guy. Uh, I mean, I was born here. I was raised here. This is where I learned, you know, how to play golf, play junior golf here. You know, this is where I'm going to be, you know, for, for my future, I'm going to raise a family here. Um, so, you know, New Jersey is near and dear to my heart, uh, as is golf. And so, you know, anything that I can do and, and, you know, to, to help support and grow the game, you know, within the state of New Jersey, you know, I'm certainly going to do, and, you know, I'm so happy to see you guys, you know, taking the initiative to start something like this. And, you know, you guys have gotten great, you know, people on the show. I mean, you know, a, a lot of the guys that you've had on, I, I know and have played with um, and they're, they're great players and, and great guys and great people in the state of golf. Uh, that is New Jersey. I mean, it, it, it's been awesome. So, you know, I think just, you know, being supportive of, of golf in New Jersey is, is again, something that's super important. And, um, you know, I appreciate you guys, you know, for, for doing this and, and inviting me on the show. There's no question. Well, that that's, uh, again, appreciate that Mark. It's been awesome having you. All right. So listen, um, so obviously to end things, you know, Ryan, and I kind of like to ask our own two little ending questions. And, you know, I, I like to, talk obviously for us we're golfers here in the garden state we want to travel the state play all different 
parts of the area uh, because I think there's so much good golf in this state, no matter what type of topography you're really looking for. You know, if I were to ask you, like, is there a certain course now, if you can, I, I'd like to hear a private course and a public course, if you can, if you can't aim a public or, or, or a private, like I get it. I, I think the audience likes to hear where guys of your caliber like to get out. And if they had the opportunity, like to be invited somewhere, it's like, all right, you got to drop what you're doing and you got to go. And, and I got to say, like, you got to take your bias out of Hamilton farm. Um, <laughs> so that cannot be used. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll start with, uh, I guess I'll start with the public. Um, so, you know, I, I live in Morristown now, um, before living in Morristown, I'm going to be here for two years in February before Morristown, I was in Jersey city for, for seven years. Um, you know, I was living downtown JC and was working, uh, down there and, uh, it was right when, um, Skyway golf course opened up. So I don't know if you guys have ever had a chance to go out and play there. Um, Listen yeah. to me real quick, before you get going on Skyway, real quick. Ryan and I did a recap last episode about 2023 and, oh, 2022, and then looking ahead to 2023. And it was, he asked me a question, where's the one spot in 2023 that you want to get out and play that you've never played? And it's so funny, my course was Skyway. <laughs> That was my spot. Oh, that's great. You have you guys, you guys have never played it. Oh man. So, you know, Skyway is, is just such a unique uh, place. Obviously it's only nine holes. Um, and when it was first being built, you know, my buddies and I in Jersey city, you know, that, that like to play golf and stuff, we were like, wow, they're, they're building a course in Jersey city down, down by route 440, you know, like, expectations were pretty long <laughs> you know we, we were like what, what's this even going to be like um for a nine hole course in, in an urban area you know down there like jersey city i mean it, it couldn't be any better i mean for for a nine hole course you, you hit every club in your bag over the course of nine holes um it's it, always in great shape um i haven't played in in probably three three or four years but my buddies that live in Jersey city go out there a bunch and they still say that it's in the same shape when it first opened. Um, so Skyway's got a special place, you know, in my, in my heart, just because, you know, lived in Jersey city, I was there when it opened, um, you know, played it a bunch, um, and really, really enjoyed it. So if you, if you live in Hoboken or Jersey city and, you know, for anybody that's listening, I, I'm sure if you're a golfer and, and, you know, you're not a member anywhere, you probably played Skyway, um, because it's the closest option. I mean, it's just a great option to go out and play, even on like a summer, you go out at, you know, four or five o'clock, you play nine holes and, you know, you're done. I mean, and, and it's a uh, great, or you can go and you can play it twice. Um, so you know, that's one I'd certainly put on there and then kind of contrasting areas. Um, the other, the, the best golf course public in, in the state that I think exists is uh, Atlantic City Country Club. Um, now, I've, I might be a little bit off because maybe they changed it to. It just I just went be, private this year. It just fully went private, private this year? Fully private this year. Oh, man. Yeah, but they, I do. But I do agree with you prior okay. to this summer. My right. buddies and I would go there once a year and we'd pay the, the greens fees and play. But then this year 
within oh. that Ottinger group of those three golf courses between Ballymore, Scotland Run, and Atlantic City, Atlantic City decided to go fully private, where the other two are still open to the public. Ah, uh, man, that's a bummer. That's a bummer because, yeah, I mean, I remember playing it. Again, it's been a while since I played it, but I remember just like you, Mike, going down there and playing with buddies. Um, I mean, that golf course and the history of the the club and, you know, uh, the, the course. Clubhouse. Was, yeah, it's just, I know. It's, it's, it was so great. Um, the other one down, and, and I guess just the area of Atlantic City, I mean, um, Seaview. So Seaview's got a couple courses down there, which is which is in that obviously same vicinity. Um, I used to play junior tournaments down there. They have the Bay course and I think the Pines course. Um, so so Atlantic City, you know, I think it was I mean, now that ACCC is, is, is no longer public, that that kind of sucks. But um, that, that would have been in terms of one of my favorites in terms of public uh, courses. But, um, you know, I know the CV ones are good. Uh, but Skyway is, is, is just a, you know, it's, it's incredible. So I, I really enjoy it. And a lot of my buddies, you know, who, who don't play and, you know, I'll admit over the last few years, you know, I haven't played a ton, you know, of, of public golf courses. Um, but I tell people, I'm like, dude, it's worth it to go and play Skyway, like take time out of your schedule and, and go and play because it's just such a unique experience i mean you're playing the views are great um it's just it's just unlike any other like kind of public course that that you would play and uh it's in great shape and it really tests uh tests your game it's it's a lot of fun um so sky was that's funny you mentioned that because like i said that was mike's uh, that was Mike's course that he wants to play public course in 2023. And it was my one B, but Mike only gave me one. So I, I had to pick a different one, but I, it's, I've been wanting to get up there and, and I, I really, I'm looking forward to it. We're, we're going and Mark, you're coming with us. We're going to get, we gotta, we gotta threesome at <laughs> yeah. least. That's going to be a good time. I, I, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to go there. And then, and funny you mentioned, cause ACCC was my other one, but uh, you know, as a not, I've never played, Atlantic City so I, I that's another place that I'd love to get to that I don't like it's a lot tougher now that it's that it's private but uh again nothing I've heard nothing but good things about that one too on the private side Mark where where do you say like you get invited to you got to stop what you're doing and you gotta you gotta go you gotta ask the wife you, you owe her one if you if you got something going on <laughs> yeah um so I, I had the opportunity um, back in October to play Pine Valley for the first time. Um, and, you know, that is certainly, you know, number, number one, not only in New Jersey, but it, it's number one for me, you know, on, on my all time list. Um, I know that it's an extremely tough, uh, course to get on. I mean, I, I've played golf in New Jersey since I was, you know, five, six years old. And literally just this past October, I actually, you know, first had the opportunity to go and play it. So understand that it's extremely difficult to, to get that invite and extremely difficult to get on. But if you do get the invite to go play there, um, I don't care what you have going on. You, you, you have to go. I mean, cause it, it really lives up to the hype. I mean, I, I'd sort of liken it to like, you know, you've had a childhood crush your, your entire life. And then here you are as an adult and you have the opportunity to like, you know, take that crush on a date, you know, and, and, and like, how, how are you going to feel when you're, when you're actually sitting, you know, at the table across from them? I mean, I played 
you know, in the, in the U S mid-am final, uh, I've played in, you know, obviously the state open, you know, in a playoff coming down the stretch, uh, I, I played on cup teams where, you know, my match was, was, you know, the deciding factor in the, in the event. I mean, I was just as nervous teeing off in just a casual round at Pine Valley um, that I was in any of those other events because I was just like, you know, <laughs> holy, holy I'm here. Like it, it, it's, it's intimidating. Um, it's intimidating visually. Um, but I mean, just everything, you know, delivers from the moment you drive through the gates. Um, the, the, the golf course is, is spectacular. Um, the club, the experience, you know, it, it's really second to none. Um, so, I mean, that for me is, is, is surely my top uh, in the state and really top that I've ever played. Um, you know, if I had to go and give you an answer, you know, somewhere other than Pine Valley, I mean, you know, I would say, you know, I, I, there's, it's so tough because there's so many good golf right. courses, you know, so many good private golf courses in, in the state of New Jersey. Um, you know, I'm going to probably give you two, I'm going to say, you know, uh, Baltistraw and, and Ridgewood, you know, th those two, you know, Ridgewood, I, I played the U.S. Amateur there this year. Um, and, you know, I grew up the town over from Ridgewood, uh, you know, Bergen Catholic, obviously right around the corner. Um, they have three unbelievable nines there and the clubhouse is, is amazing. Uh, the membership is great, but, you know, there's not one bad hole on that property. And to be able to play that course in the conditions and the setup that they had for the USAM, I mean, it, it was pretty remarkable. I mean, I, I hadn't played a setup like that in my life. I mean, you know, where the rough was, you know, up to your calves and, you know, the greens were rolling 13 and it, it just was was pretty special. So, I mean, you know, any of these courses on a day in day out basis, when you play are going to be remarkable. I mean, but when you play it in a tournament setting like that, it, it kind of just ups the ante uh, a little bit. Yeah. Th those, those are popular choices that Ryan and I have heard when we've asked that question, Baltimore lower is, is always, always high on everybody's list. But Ryan, why don't you toss, I'm dying to hear his answer on your last question, Ryan. Because this, to me, I, I, I won't even, I won't even tease it. Right, you go, you go. So I, I, before I get there, actually, I'm glad that you said Pine Valley because I don't know what it is. You look at some other places and like you can understand why Pebble is so remarkable, like with its views and everything. Sometimes I have a tough time thinking that like a place in like South Jersey is the best course in the in the world. You know, like that's that to me is like. So to hear someone say that no, it it holds up to, and is and is even beyond, I I I like hearing that because sometimes it it had like again obviously never played but like a little bit of a wrinkle of a doubt sometimes that like how could somewhere in like South Jersey be and and I know I'm I know I'm hammering South Jersey here but like how could <laughs> how could somewhere like it like in that part of the state be so good. And like, yeah, that, that, so I like having it like that you've justified it for me. You know, I've played a lot of golf courses that I hadn't played before and there's been a lot of hype, right? I mean, and, and you know, they're highly ranked on, you know, whatever it is, either golf digest or, you know, and it's like, oh, this course is one of the top 10 in, in, the, in the state or in the country. And, you know, I've played them and I've been like, you know, look, this was a solid 
golf course and it was fun and like it was good you know like but but certainly my thoughts would be this is overrated you know i would say there's no way that you can't name you know five other courses that are better than this one in the state you know based on the rankings or whatever it might right. be um pine valley was 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 not like that it, it just every single hole is so unique and the way that sort of the bunkering uh the green complexes the the visuals and you know the intimidating visuals that that make that place just like like even just driving through when i first drove through and i'm you know you kind of drive through the first like there's a split in the first fairway and you're sort of just like looking around and you're seeing the holes i mean it's like awe-inspiring you're you're just like wow like and and i don't know if maybe that has something to do with just you know again that childhood crush type of situation where it's like i'm finally mm -hmm. here and like wow look at this place but you know it's sort of like a restaurant like how many restaurants have you guys been to when people have hyped them up and they're like oh it's so great and you get there and you eat the food and you're like yeah you know it was, it was good <laughs> like it, it was fine very rarely do you actually eat the meal and you look back on it and you're like that was like the best meal right. I ever had, you know, like that was unbelievable. Um, and, and that, you know, the Pine Valley certainly to, delivers yeah. in that. In that oh, the, the, the chicken parm here is phenomenal. Oh yeah. The, the fried <laughs> chicken that they put on your plate with some cheese and pasta. I mean, how could, how right. did they figure it out right. to be so good? But yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> right. Right. Yep. No, no, no. So each golfer is different, unique. But I do think the one thing we all have in common is that golfers are fairly quirky by nature. And we have these superstitions or we have these things that that everyone uh, always has to have, whether it's like, you know, I need to, uh, you know, we had one person on said, I, I don't tie my shoes until the first tee or I always have two tees in the left pocket, one tee in the right pocket or, you know, like whatever it may be. What are some of your quirks? that you have uh in going to play going out to play golf <laughs> yeah you know I, I would not classify myself as a as a superstitious uh guy or 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 a golfer um you know i know that for some uh, to your point um it, it it you know boils down to you know having three tees in their left pocket or, you know, making sure that, you know, um, you do a certain thing or you eat the same thing, you know, every morning or whatever it is. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe, you know, not something I'm the most proud of, but, you know, I always have to have, um, Zins, you know, Zins, well, I'll give a plug to Zin. Um, you know, I, I need something, you know, just in terms of, um, you know, sort of like an oral, fixation so you know i need to have uh my zins when i play if i don't have them it's it's uh it's not good <laughs> you know i need to make sure that i that i have those when i'm out there um if i'm playing well in a tournament that's spanning you know let's say four or five days like let's say the mid-am or you know whatever i will usually eat the same thing for breakfast you know every morning that i'm sort of you know in that tournament you know like if i start out and i have a bacon egg and cheese wrap and I play really well the next morning for the next round, I, I'm going to have a bacon, egg and cheese yeah. wrap. So like, I, I usually try to keep, uh, whatever I'm eating, uh, the same, but other than that, I mean, like I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty loose when it comes to superstitions. I mean, I, I 
that's my type of guy, right? <laughs> yeah, Just grab yeah. a handful of tees, yeah. throw them in your pocket, and that's, we're off. Like I, that's, that's I, I'm trying. Listen, I've heard so many people do different things, and I said, you know what? Like, I can get the ball around. Like, I can, I can shoot. You know, even par, I could shoot eighty-two. Like, I and I hear all the good players. I'm like, oh, they do two tees. I'm trying that. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. Man, oh man, have I been terrible <laughs> trying other people's superstitious that I am done making it like crazy like that. Give me the handful of tees. Give me a ball marker. Give me a different pair tool, and let's tee off. A hundred percent. I mean, one, one round, I might mark my ball with a, with a ball marker from that course. Uh, and the next round I might mark it with a penny. And then the, th- the final round, I might mark it with a nickel. You know, I, I, I don't. It's my type of guy, right? It's my type of guy, right? my type of guy. chaos in that has my anxiety going right now. And I'm sitting in my, <laughs> my house type of guy. not playing golf. <laughs> That's it's my title. I got you know, it's not gonna help you make any more putts if you mark your ball with the same thing every time. You know, it, it's um I think the superstitions really lie with you know going back to the preparation and you know having those you know goals that you have and in mm-hmm. the process, like you know, having those things. If I didn't have those, that then I would feel sort of naked and and sort of lost and, and, and out of place out there. Um, you know, what I'm using, I mean, obviously just like any good golfer, I mean, you know, I, I need to make sure that my clubs are clean, you know, b- before the first round, I guess this is something that I usually do before the first round of, of a, of a big tournament or the start of a tournament, if I'm in a hotel room or if I'm at home, uh, I usually clean my clubs. Like, even if they're already kind of clean, I'll clean them again. And I, and I wipe down the grips and, you know, make sure they're, they're a little bit tacky. And, you know, I, I just kind of like to do that to, I never, ever would want to step foot onto the range before a tournament and like pull out my wedge and there's dirt in the grooves. Like, right. you know, I, that, that would, that would drive me crazy. Uh, so, you know, certainly want to make sure, you know, my clubs are clean, um, you know, and, and I'll usually go through that routine, you know, the night before, but yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy. I'm, I, I pretty much just guy. Kind of go That's with say. Simple, so, simple and easy. So you, know? uh, you, you had Mike, we got to start asking this question. I don't know why I'm just thinking of it. Mark, you said, you said bacon, egg and cheese wrap. Yeah. Taylor ham or pork roll. Oh, it's, it's Taylor Ham, man. Oh, I mean, see, I'm... Mark, you know what? Yeah, he this lost has me. Been, I, at this, this point, I think I got to go. This is like Game of Thrones. At this point, I got to go. wonderful up until, up until the, the last I blame last you, episode. though. You asked the question. And I think that's a fair – got to start asking that question. That's I blame great... you. You can't ask that question. No, we can't go I, from I, loving the guy for an hour and a half. Pork roll, 100%. Pork roll. Wow. Purple. We can't have a great 90 minutes and then you throw the curveball in there and now we're ending with a double. I mean, we can't, we can't be doing that. (laughs) But listen, Mark, I, I appreciate you coming on and and spending this much time with us. I mean, like I said, Ryan, I could sit here and talk forever. Um, But the stories that you shared and, and, you know, just being truthful and honest about, you know, some, some things that you've gone through in your game, you know, I appreciate you, you know, coming on and, you know, maybe one day in the spring, we all can get together and tee it up. hundred percent. I'd love to have you guys, you know, out at, uh, out at Hamilton. I mean, you know, and I know that Nick's extended the offer. So, you know, maybe the four of us, you know, can go out and play and, you know, that, that'd be a blast. I mean, anytime you guys want to go tee it up, uh, I'd love to meet you, you know, in person and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have some laughs and it'll be a lot of fun. So I appreciate you guys for having me on and reaching out. Um, you know, this was great. 
you know, and I wish you guys the best of luck, you know, moving forward. I mean, I hope you guys grow this thing, you know, exponentially and, you know, I'll, I'll be listening in. Yeah, I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mark. And Mark, we'll bring the pork roll. <laughs> yeah, bring, bring the pork roll and, uh, you know, you, you can play on the opposite team. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pal. Thank you very All much. Right, uh, take All care, right, Mark. Thank you. Guys. Thank you. You as well. Yeah.